Last Sunday we celebrated All Saints and uh, we read the names, or the names were read of those who had gone on to glory from our church during the last 12 months. And then you had an opportunity to share uh, from the congregation those who have gone on to glory that you know of, members maybe of your family or folks that, uh, that you've known. And, and, uh, and Fran did a great job preaching uh, from the Psalms, Psalm 137 verses 1 through 4, and then a, a look at uh, Revelation 21. But the idea of grieving and, and the time that God gives us to grieve the losses that we experience in this life is important. Uh, we just don't move on through a loss like that and say, oh, it's all right, it's all right. Because when we love somebody and we have a relationship with someone and they're no longer there, for whatever reason that might be, and it might be death, there's, there's a, a, a grief that we have to experience. And, uh, and even in Revelation, uh, that passage where it says, and God wipes away every tear. So when we're in eternity with him, uh, the time of grieving and mourning will be over because we won't, we'll be with those. And, and, and in the midst of our grief, he sits with us and is with us and wipes away those tears. And so she did a great job of, of, of helping us have this good perspective. We don't stay in that and live in that. We, we move through that in our life, but that is important. And we always, uh, uh, we miss those. Uh, and, 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 and the loss could be, like we said, death, but it could also be when you move from one community to the next, when you change jobs, when you, uh, different things, we, we don't have what we had before that was valuable to us or significant, and, and it's tough. And, and, and so uh, loss can be uh, on lots of different levels. But uh, uh, this past, uh, well, yesterday, we had a funeral here at the church for a lady who lived to be 97 years old. And that's a, a, a lifetime that most people don't get to. Most people don't get in the high 90s like that. Um, but this morning, what I want us to do is look at a passage of Scripture uh, that Paul writes to the church in Corinth. And I want us to, to have that, all of that in mind when we look to experience life with a view to eternity, having an eternal perspective on life. Uh, and so hopefully this morning we'll, we'll be encouraged to, to continue to live our life to the fullest, enjoy every day, but, but realize this isn't all that there is, and that we'll have a, a view to eternity as the foundation of how we uh, view things, uh, how we experience things, and how we allow them to affect us. Uh, and so with that in, in mind, uh, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture out of 2 Corinthians. So if you've got your bulletin or if you're online, it's going to be on the uh, screen there. But it's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, we're going to read verses 16 through 18. And uh, Paul writes to this church in Corinth. This is the second letter that we have in the New Testament. Um, and he's, he's stayed with this church. He's, he's invested in these people. He loves these folks. He knows them. He cares for them. Uh, like I said, he's written letters to them in, in his absence. And, he, and, he, and he's trying to, to help balance the things that are happening in the church and in the community around them that aren't going well. He's trying to correct some misconceptions. He's trying to, to do some things to keep the church reflecting Jesus in all that they do and treating one another well. Uh, the great love chapter, chapter 13 of the first letter that, well, he didn't write in chapter and verse. We added that later so we can find these verses quickly. But in that letter, we, we, we find about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is long-suffering. Love doesn't, doesn't take account of a wrong suffered. It doesn't brag. It's not arrogant. All these things, when, we, when Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you, those are qualities. Those are characteristics of how we ought to care for one another. So he, he 
Paul loved this church. He, he loved all the churches, um, and, but he was truly invested in the church in Corinth and, and wanted them to do well. And so as he writes this second letter, there's other letters that he probably wrote to them, but we just have the two uh, in our uh, scriptures. But uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. Let's read that together, or let me read that for you. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Now, remember a couple of weeks ago, anytime you see a therefore, anytime there's a conjunction, you want to find out what it's there for, right? You want to know why, why is this linked to something that was written before? And we'll talk about that in a minute. So uh, he's got a conjunction here, so we'll talk about that. And because of what was before it, he says, now because of that, here's what I want you to do. So he's saying, uh, therefore, do not lose heart. And we've talked about when, when the Scripture says don't lose heart, it's this idea of not letting the pressures of this world crush you and, and cave you in. Remember, we, we had a plastic bottle, and, and I collapsed that because the pressure on the outside was more than the inside. So you see throughout the Scriptures this exhortation, this encouragement to let God fill you with His Spirit. Let God be so much a part of you that the pressures of the world don't allow you to lose heart, don't allow you to, to be crushed to, to be um, devastated, to, to lose hope and encouragement, um, to throw in the towel, those kind of things. So he's saying, what, because of what I've just told you before, don't lose heart. Though our outer man is just decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. And so as he talks about what we'll talk about in a minute, the therefore, uh, don't let that pressure of the world cause you to lose heart because our outer man is decaying. It's a fact. As we, this woman lived to be eight, uh, 97 years old, and all of us who live any length of time, we realize the older we get, the less and less our body does what it did when we were younger. And the older we get, realize, gosh, there's more aches and there's more pains and, the, and we're slower, we're weaker, all those kind of things. It just happens because when God created us, He did not create us to live for eternity in this body. And that's what Paul's trying to help them understand in this letter, that even though our outer man is decaying, even though our physical body is not meant to be here forever, Paul talks in chapter 5 right after this about, he references our body like a tent. It's like a temporary dwelling. So he's trying to help them get an eternal perspective. He's trying to help them understand, yes, we have a spirit that lives for eternity. We have a soul and we live in a body. And so this body that we have, that we love, because we, that's the thing that we see when we see you, we, we see your body, we, we, you know, we, we just know the outside of us, but, but that is only temporary. And so he, he's going to help them uh, later on, and we'll talk about those verses. Um, so he's trying to help, so, so don't lose heart, because our out, outer man, our body, our physical body is not meant to be here forever, and it's, it, it, you're getting weaker, you, you know, you're losing your hair, your hair's turning gray, whatever it might be that you're going on, you have more aches and pains. He's reminding them of this. He said, even though our outer person is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. And so uh, part of that not losing heart is, is being strong on the inside. We've talked about that, letting God's Word richly dwell in us and, and letting, letting Christ dwell in our hearts through faith as we talked about in Ephesians. And so, so the, the, our inner man is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And so even though our outer man is decaying, he says, we can, we can be encouraged. And then he says this, verse 17, I love this, for momentary light affliction is producing in us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. So he's saying, listen, the things that you're experiencing in this world on earth in our temporary earth suit kind of thing, the hardships, the struggles, the grief that we talked, that Fran talked about last week, all of these things, as Paul puts it in perspective with a view to eternity, he, he uses the term momentary 
just for a short time, light as opposed to heavy and, and overburdened, affliction. So, and, and we're going to look at another passage where Paul describes some of his momentary light affliction. And you think, how can you say those things are momentary light afflictions, what you've gone through? But it's the eternal perspective that he wants us to have that hopefully we'll kind of get a good grasp on this morning. He said, for these momentary light afflictions are producing in us an eternal weight of glory. In other words, we've got this understanding that Christ suffered, we might suffer, we can suffer, and he's with us. And, and, and for glory, when we compare it, man, it's just, it, there's no comparison. And then he says, verse 18, for we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things, which are temp- the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. He said, so let's, let's make sure we have the right perspective. Because if all we look at is the natural, the things that are seen, we've got to realize those things are not going to be with us forever. They just don't last for eternity. But the things that are unseen in the spiritual world, those things are eternal. That's why Jesus said, man, don't put your heart, don't set your heart on the, on the things of this earth. Don't let that be your treasure. Because a thief could steal that or rust might destroy it. He said, those things are, are temporary. They're not going to be here forever. You can't take those into eternity. So, you know... We enjoy the things that we see, the things that are temporal. That's a part of God's creation, and we enjoy those, but we don't set our heart on those things. We don't set our joy and our pleasure uh, on those things for eternity because they don't stay with us for eternity. So we enjoy them for the season. We're good stewards of those things. We, we, all of those things, he said, but we look to the things that are unseen because those are the things that, are, that will last for eternity. So that perspective is important. Uh, so let's, uh, I want to jump into this momentary light affliction. Ah, oh, this is, uh, this, this is just inspires me. Um, but uh, in chapter 11, you keep going in the same book, 2 Corinthians, flip over a couple of chapters, and then he's trying to help them gain, um, well, he's talking about his apostleship, his calling, and he says, guys, I know that folks have come in and they've told you a different gospel and you're, some of you guys are starting to struggle and you're not. But, but remember the things that Jesus said. Remember the things that I've told you and stick with the gospel that you've heard. Um, and that's what we're going to get in when we get into the therefore. Um, but uh, I, I want you to know that, that Paul as an apostle, me as an apostle, he's saying, um, I, I, I've got some... Uh, some reasons for you to, to, to listen to me. I mean, God's called me to preach this gospel, and this is what I've done. And, and, then, he, and then he says, you know, I, I want you to bear with me on some foolishness. And he calls it foolishness. You, you know, you don't let this be how you view your life and everything. But he said, so, so verse, verse 22, chapter 11, he says, are these other people Hebrews? And he said, yes. Uh, he said, I am uh, even far more. Are they Israelites? He said, are they descendants of Abraham? I am. And so there was a big discussion for the Jews. You know, can you trace your lineage back to Abraham? And he said, basically, if that's the criteria, if, if you should listen to me, then yes, man, I, I can do that. I've got the lineage. I've got, I've got all that stuff. I, and then he goes on to say, are they servants of Christ? These other people that have been coming into the church and, and stirring things up. He says, you know, I speak as if insane because this line of thinking, you don't need to boast in yourself and brag in yourself. He said, but I want you to see this in comparison to these other people that are coming in. So I want you to know that, man, you can trust what I'm telling you kind of things. And so he says, are they servants of Christ? He said, man, I'm speaking as insane by saying this. He said, I am even more than they are. And then he starts talking about these momentary light afflictions. And it just blows me away what Paul did to share the gospel. Here's some of the things. He said, in more labors... 
far more imprisonment. So he had been put in prison before, but now he's in prison for preaching the gospel. He was then too. It wasn't like he went and stole something, got thrown in jail. Um, but he said, man, I'm, I'm in prison for preaching the gospel. He said, that commitment to Christ, I didn't stop just because somebody threw me in prison for doing it. Beaten without number. So in other words, people didn't like the fact that he was preaching the gospel, and he got beat up for doing that. He said, man, that's happened to me more than anything. It's not because he wouldn't fight well, but it's like, man, this is part of what I had to endure, momentary light afflictions. He said, often in danger of death. There was, there was a time when over 40 men said, if we're not going to eat anything or drink anything until we kill the apostle Paul. Can you imagine that? You're preaching the gospel, and you make people so mad that they say, I know you guys got to go to Food Truck Fest. God bless you. Thank you for, for doing that. Um, we'll talk about Food Truck Fest. Uh, uh, they said they were leaving, so it's like, Mark, don't get intimidated for leaving because it's like, anyway. So uh, for you guys watching online, we got Food Truck Fest today from 12 to 1, 12 to 5. Please come back. We'll talk about it later. Uh, but we got folks that are volunteering to help get that stuff set up. So... I mean, where was I? I was talking about momentary light afflictions, right? Um, and, uh, but, but he said, uh, oh, yeah, 40, there was over 40 men said, we don't like the fact this guy's preaching about Jesus, that Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus was crucified, raised from the dead. If you trust in Jesus, you can be saved from your sins and, and adopted into the family of God, all the things we'll talk about in a minute. He said, there's guys, Jews that didn't like that. They thought it was blasphemous to say Jesus is God, which in their mind it was. And they said, we're not going to eat anything or drink anything until we kill this guy. Can you imagine that? I mean, that's, so he had, he was, he was uh, uh, in danger of death. He said, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. That means he was beaten on his back 39 times, ripped his back to shreds. He, that happened to him five times in his ministry preaching. Then uh, he says, three times I was beaten with rods. So to punish him for preaching the gospel, three times, and so most scholars say probably they, they took his shoes, his sandals off, and they beat the bottom of his feet with rods. Uh, it could be some other things, types of torture, but punishing him for preaching, saying, stop preaching about Jesus. Stop going and stirring up the world about this man named Jesus. But he wouldn't stop. But man, you get beat up one time for preaching the gospel, and you think, I don't know if I need to do that again. But man, you know, this happens to him over and over and over and again. Uh, once I was stoned, we read about this in the book of Acts. It wasn't because he was smoking marijuana and got high. No, but he was in a town. They, they didn't want him to preach about Jesus. So they picked up rocks and threw it at him until they thought he was dead. We read about it in the book of Acts. And he gets up after that, goes back into the town, keeps preaching. I mean, this, this guy is, is passionate about people knowing Jesus, being saved from their sin. <clears throat> So one time they left him for dead, thought they'd killed him throwing stones at him. He goes, three times I was shipwrecked. We read about one of those in the book of Acts. So he's, he's going in the Mediterranean Sea. He's going from town to town to town, having to go by ship. Sometimes he went by land. But the ships, because of the storms that come in that area, hitting the rocks, they was sh so shipwrecked three times for doing this. Um, he says, uh, I spent a night, a day in the depths. So in other words, uh, so a whole night and a whole day he's floating around in the Mediterranean Sea, you know, not knowing if a shark's going to get him, you know, because I, if I float there a night and a day, what am I thinking about? Dun, 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 dun. I mean, I mean, you just do. You think, oh my gosh, you know, and so, so he's sitting there, um, and, and I'm sure he's praying like, hey, you know, God, Jonah was floating around in the same body of water a long, long time ago, and you kind of saved him by bringing a fish, and I mean, I don't want to be in the belly of a well three days, but you know, it saved him from drowning. But anyway, I don't know if he was thinking about that or not, but he's floating around, in the, and then he says, 
Uh, he's been in danger from, on journeys, dangers from ro- uh, rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from his countrymen, the Jews, like you said, some of the things they did, dangers from Gentiles. When he went to Ephesus, he's preaching about Jesus. People are getting saved. They're turning from the idols. And so the men that make the idols out of silver and gold and different things like that are so upset with Paul because people aren't buying the idols that they're selling because they don't believe in that deity anymore because that deity it can't do anything for you. Jesus can. Jesus does. And so the, the, the silversmiths and the guy, they were like, man, we got to stop this guy. So they caused this big riot. And you can read about it in the book of Acts. So dangers from Gentiles, dangers from his countrymen. Um, Dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brethren. He says, I've been in labor for hardship through many sleepless nights, hunger, thirst, often without food, cold, and exposure. I mean, here's this guy passionate about Jesus, wanting people to know the Lord, going everywhere he can, loving on people, telling them about Christ. And, uh, and he's saying, and, and this, is, this is my life. He said, I'm not trying to brag because he says, it's not boasting, but I boast in the Lord. But here's the reason I brought that up and here's why he brings it up. It's like, listen, I want you to understand that, that Jesus is worth me going through all of this hardship. But in my mind, because I have an eternal mindset, this is momentary light affliction. Getting stoned to death is not momentary light affliction unless you have a view for eternity. That this isn't all there is. And God wants this to be the most amazing life that you can experience. But this isn't it. And Paul understood that. And he said, I'm going to live my life to the fullest. And I'm going to do all that I can to love people like Christ loved me. But I want them to know about salvation that happens in Jesus. I want them to know that their burdens can be lifted. I want them to know that they're in the kingdom of darkness, but they can be brought into the kingdom of light. And that's the therefore. He was talking about the Old Testament and how the gospel, the good news that God gave Moses, you know, was powerful. But compared to the good news of Jesus Christ, how he fulfilled that Old Testament law is even more glorious because we have the Holy Spirit. And he said, I want people to know that. I want people to know that, that on the cross, Jesus took their sin. Jesus took their mistakes. Jesus took their burdens. And if they'll look to Jesus and if they'll confess their sin and ask him to come be the Lord of their life, he will completely cleanse them of any wrong they've ever done. And he will completely restore them into a relationship with the Father who created them. And he said, I want everybody to know that. I want everybody to hear that good news because they have the opportunity to be set free from all the junk that they've gotten involved in their life. And he said, everybody's got to know. Everybody needs to hear this message. And those that were trying to stop him, those that were beating him, those that were trying to kill him, put him to death, he's saying, that's not going to stop me because the message is so powerful. The message is so important. Everybody needs to hear this. And this, what I'm going through, doesn't make me a super apostle, but it makes me somebody that you guys, please know how much I love you, church in Corinth. Please know that I'm, I'm, I did this for you. I do this for Jesus. And, and what I've told you is accurate. What I've told you is true. You can trust it. So if somebody else comes in and tells you a different gospel, believe what Jesus has said. Believe what I'm telling you. Um, and so, the, the, you know, he, he's just, he's got this eternal perspective. I love it. When Jesus uh, is on the cross and uh, he, he's, he's there and every time he, he, he takes a breath, he has to push up on the nail scarred feet. He has to push up on the, and, and just the pain, the excruciating pain. And, he, and he's there. And the Bible says that, In Hebrews, that for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross and he despised the shame. 
He was willing to go through that for the joy that was set before him. And what is part of that joy? Part of that joy, even though he hung on the cross and it was, it was horrible, the beating that he took, the, the mocking that he took, he's hanging on the cross and people are coming and saying, you saved others, why can't you save yourself? If you'll come down from the cross, then we'll believe in you. You know, and just hurling abuse at Jesus. And then the two guys on each side, one of them is hurling abuse at him as well, you know. And, and the other one says, man, you know, don't you, don't you speak that way about this guy. We're, we're being crucified because we've done something wrong. This guy's not done anything wrong. And he says, you know, Lord, remember me. And Jesus said, hey, today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus knew even though the the pain and the suffering that he was going through, and then God takes the sin of all of humankind and places it on Jesus. He took my sin, he took your sin, and the Bible says, he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God the Father. So God takes the sin of all of humankind for all generations and places it on Jesus and condemns Jesus to death who had never done anything wrong. But he said, I'll take Mark's sin. I'll take your sin. I'll take your punishment. And when he did that, and God condemned him to death, he died once and for all for every single person. So when you and I die and stand before God, we don't have to be judged for the sin. Jesus was judged for that. Now, we got to give an account for how we live. we got to give an account for what we say. But to be condemned to death because of our sin, Jesus takes that up, and the blood cleanses us. And Paul says, people need to know that. Everybody needs to know that. And we celebrate that. So when Jesus is hanging on the cross, for the joy set before him, he, he was willing to endure that because it was momentary light affliction. As horrible as it was, crucifixion is the most grueling form of capital punishment that men can ever conceive of. There's nothing that is horrible to kill somebody that way. And Jesus endured it. And the joy set before him, I believe he realized as he saw through history, he said, oh, there's one day this guy named Mark, he's going he's gonna to repent of his sin. He's going to be a part of our family. And then all the churches, all of you guys that have done that same thing, he says, oh, my gosh. And when Jesus told the parable of the, of the, the lost sheep and the prodigal son and the coin, lost coin, every time one sinner goes into heaven, he talks about the celebration, the joy that is in heaven. And he saw that generation after generation after generation. He said it's worth Taking their sin is worth being punished. It's worth having the Father that I love, that I've never been separated from, condemn me in all of his wrath and all of his anger and all of his hatred towards sin because it destroys his creation. He placed that on Jesus and he condemned him. Jesus endured all of that for us because he knew one day the gospel message would allow people to be set free. And that people would believe in him and people would trust in him and they would be new creations in him and, and they'd be able to love as he loved. They'd be experience forgiveness and, and yes, be able to grieve appropriately like Fran talked about, but man, they would be able to, to, to care for others. Not only here in the United States, but all over the world, not just at this time in history, but way before and way ahead. And he saw, they said, oh, Father, it's worth being that sacrifice, it's worth going through this torture. It's worth going through this mockery and ridicule. It's worth being misunderstood. Because the good news of what I've done will be shared. People will hear the message, and they won't lose heart. And so as we think about, you know, just this momentary light afflictions, it, it just helps me to have a perspective. And that, you know, our, our, we're not going to live on this earth forever. But what he has waiting for us is even more glorious. And Jesus and John said, the gospel of John, he said, don't let your hearts be troubled because it's troubling to think about, you know, what's on the other side. He said, but believe in God, believe also in me. For in my father's house are many dwelling places. 
And I go and I prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. So there's this promise that Jesus made. He says, I, I love you and I've created you and I want you to enjoy this time on earth. But this isn't all there is. And yeah, I know I'll put you in a body and some people don't like their ears and some people don't like their noses and they don't like the you know, different things about their body. But I've created you and I love you and you're special and you're unique and there's nobody like you in the whole wide world. But this physical body that you've got, and take good care of it, eat good, you know, you know, sleep, do exercise, do the things you need to do, be a good steward, because my spirit's going to live inside of you. But you're not going to last on this earth forever. But when you die, and when you come to be with me for glory, Paul writes about that. Later on, he says, you know, it's, it's what is sown. He talks about a seed, and he talks about a plant, and he uses our body. What is sown mortal will be raised immortal. What's sown in weakness will be raised in power. What is sown a, a perishable body will be raised imperishable. He says our bodies, when, when we were raised, we believe in a bodily resurrection. We, we know that we're going to receive a glorified body and we'll be with him for eternity. So we can endure hardships. We can endure, endure ridicule. ridicule. We, we can endure these things that Paul endured with, with great dignity, with great strength, with great encouragement because we know this is not all there is. And so Paul was encouraged in that and Paul was motivated in that. And so uh, as I conclude, let me, just, let me just ask you a couple of questions. You don't have to yell out the answer. But, but if you're not feeling well and you're sick, who do you want to go talk to? A doctor, Right? No, I'll let you guys respond. Okay, who, who do you want to go see, right? A doctor, right? If you're having uh, problems with your automobile and you've done everything you know to fix it, uh, who do you want to go talk to about your car? Who do you want, who do you want to take your car to? A mechanic, right? right? Um, if you want to travel and you've never been to these places that you want to travel, what do you, what do, you do in response to that? What do you, what do, you, what do, you do? You seek out what? A travel agent, right? Fran loves Rick Steves. How many people like Rick Steves, right? So, so she would buy the books, and we're going to go to this country. And so Rick Steves has been there, and she would read all the stuff that he said. Um, if you want, if you want to have, get, buy some insurance, who do you go to? An insurance agent, right? So why do we go to these people? We go to these people because they know more than we know about something, right? They, they've studied. They, they've, they've prepared. Uh, they've they, uh, got experience in this. If you want to have surgery, then you go to a, a surgeon and you, and you want to know, is this the first time you've ever done this surgery, right? <laughs> you know, uh, I, how, many of, how many of these have you done, you know? Because you want somebody that's got experience in that, right? Because that experience helps them be the best in that uh, endeavor, whatever it might be. So life experience. So we want to go to somebody who really knows a lot about what it is, and we want to go to somebody who's got a lot of experience in whatever that is. If you go to a mechanic, you don't, want be the, you don't want your car to be the very first one they've tried to do this to. Well, it might be, but the more they do, the better they are at it. Right? Make sense? So the reason I'm bringing all of that up is that Jesus has more knowledge about anything than anybody else. And Jesus has gone through every life experience. The Bible says he was tempted in all things yet without sin. And we've talked about this before. It's not like he had a computer and it crashed on him and he got upset. I mean, but, but every type of thing that we could physically go through, mentally go through, emotionally go through, that same type of thing, he's been through that. And he's come out on the other side without blowing it with God, without messing up, without sinning. 
And so I want to go to the, the, the most knowledgeable person about life. I want to go to the person with the most experience about life. I want to go to somebody who knows something about what's happening when I die and what is death all about. And the person that we know that we can go to and trust that is Jesus. Because he's gone on the other side. He knows about what's eternal. He's gone to prepare a place for us. He knows what it's like to live on this planet. And so we can trust what he says. We can trust him and believe in him and know he's not going to lead us astray. And Paul did that with his life. Once he encountered the living Jesus, he said, man, I believe in you. I trust you. I know you. I want people to know you too. And so when he goes through life with this mentality and this understanding of eternity, I'm thinking of myself too. That's the best way to live. I mean, Jesus had that eternal perspective. Paul had that eternal perspective. His disciples had that. They were willing to, to lay their life down for the, for the sake of Jesus. They were willing to love people the way Jesus loved because the most knowledgeable person, the most experienced person said, here's how you treat people. Now I want you to treat people the way I've treated. I want you to see how I treat people and then treat people that way. And it's the best way to live. It's an abundant life. Amen. But we know it's only going to be a short time. And then when we go to glory, it's going to be even amazing. So momentary light afflictions. You can endure them, and you can give glory to God by being as Christ-like as possible. Amen.